Hey, hey, homesteaders, and welcome to the TLC Mini Farm Podcast, where we discuss all things related to urban homesteading. I am your host, Tawny Fan. Today, we are going to talk about raising quail, and more specifically, Caternix quail. We have been raising quail on our urban homestead since August of 2017. So why would someone want to raise quail? Well, two reasons. You can get eggs and you can get meat. And then the other thing you might be thinking is, well, why would you choose quail over chicken? So we get that question quite a bit. And I could see why most people would ask that because number one, we don't really hear much about quail. And the other thing is, is when people think about urban homesteading and fresh backyard eggs, the first thing we usually think about is chickens and then following chickens might be keeping ducks. So since we get that question quite a bit, we do want to discuss it today in case those of you are either debating between the two, possibly you're thinking about adding quail alongside having chickens, or maybe you hadn't even thought of it as an option. So if that's the case, this is definitely the perfect podcast for you to listen to today. When I first looked into raising quail, there was limited information and I knew very few people who were raising them. Their popularity has grown over the past three or four years as I am definitely seeing more and more people adding them to their homestead, which is super exciting. So my objective today is to do a quick rundown of my experiences with raising chickens and then comparing that to then raising quail. And then I will go into quail keeping so that you have some information so that you could consider possibly raising quail and then successfully bringing them onto your homestead. Now, a quick disclaimer before I share my thoughts and compare the two, chickens and quail. We have experience keeping both and I am sharing our opinion based on our preferences, our experience, and our urban location. Others who raise chickens may not feel the same way. So again, I'm just expressing just my personal opinion based on the experience we've had. We moved homes so that we could have some backyard chickens. So the idea of having chickens for us was very exciting and something that we really wanted. So before moving, we envisioned having chickens that would be able to roam around the garden area, softly cluck to themselves, and we would get excited about collecting fresh eggs. So we did our research on the different breeds that are out there, what they needed, food, housing, just about everything. We finally made the decision and bought day-old chicks and we raised them. We ended up having two, a barred rock named Daisy, and we had an Easter egger named Dixie and lovingly and collectively known as Double D Chicken Ranch. As much as we loved their beautiful teal and brown eggs, we did find that they were more work than we had anticipated, even with all the research that we had done. They were much louder than we expected. Um, Even still, we did take good care of them and we really tried to work through all of the challenges that came with being new to raising chickens. So one day Dixie suddenly passed away and that left us with just Daisy and one chicken on her own does not make for a good situation. She became very attached to us and it was craving attention, any and all attention, which made her even louder and needier. 
We eventually did rehome her with a friend who had a flock already, and she ended up living many, many happy years at his place and ended up being the queen bee of that new flock. And so I was actually really happy to rehome her because she was in a great situation. After both Daisy and Dixie were gone, the coop sat there for many months. And we decided that given our current situation and where we were living, that we didn't want to go down that path again with raising chickens here at this specific location. And here's why. The first reason was the noise level for us was unbearable. They would begawk every morning before sunrise, well before the sun came up. They would scream their egg song daily between 9 and 11 a.m. And they would begawk loudly at anything that freaked them out. They constantly yelled to get out of their coop and run area so that they could free range. The noise really was more than we could tolerate and we were kind of getting afraid that our neighbors were going to get annoyed at the constant amount of noise coming from our backyard. And part of the problem is is our backyard backs up to a slope area and because of the slope area the noise echoes and bounces around. So it was almost as if their sounds were being amplified. And so that's why I keep saying in this specific location for us, chickens just didn't work. The second reason why we didn't want to go down this path again was that they poop all day, every day, and everywhere. We were constantly cleaning up their coop and their run area, which is fine. But when we allowed them to free range and walk around the yard, they would leave their droppings everywhere. We were wasting water, hosing down the sidewalk, but we felt it was necessary so that we wouldn't track their droppings into our house. The third concern that we had with keeping them is because we do have that open slope area, we were really concerned about them attracting wildlife that were predators to our yard. We kept seeing coyotes investigating and circling the slope area right behind our back fence. Hawks would circle above our yard. Like we were literally on constant alert all the time when they were out and about free ranging and we couldn't leave them alone outside. So that was definitely causing us some level of anxiety. And finally, one of the things that was also a challenge for me personally is I was kind of having a hard time handling them. They are big and strong and I found it difficult to pick them up so that I could move them, inspect them for pests or injuries. I was just never really able to get comfortable with handling them. They are big and strong so when they flap those wings, it's a force to be reckoned with. So. Those are just like four things that pop out when I think about raising chickens and some of the challenges that we faced. Now after having quail, after a couple years, I can compare the two and really determine which is easier for backyard eggs and especially in an urban setting. So here are some of the pros for keeping quail over chickens. Number one, the first thing is they take less space square feet wise per bird. We'll talk about that recommendation later on when we talk about their housing. The second reason, pros for keeping quail over chickens, is they do not free range, which keeps them in a specific area, and it is much easier to clean. Third reason, they are so much quieter than chickens. They really are. They don't make a lot of noise. Fourth reason, they are small and much easier to handle. 
Reason number five, their egg production is equivalent to chickens. Yes, their eggs are much smaller, but they lay on pretty much kind of the same schedule as chickens. And so instead of having two chickens and getting two eggs, you can have a few quail and each of their eggs added up together, four or five eggs equals one chicken egg. So the egg production is equivalent. The sixth reason, pros for keeping a quail over chickens, they reach sexual maturity between seven to nine weeks old. So that means that they are going to be laying eggs much sooner than chickens. With chickens, you're looking at five to six months before you get your very first egg if you are getting that chicken as a day-old chick or of course hatching your own. And the seventh and final reason for me keeping quail over chickens is a pro for an urban home setting is they are considered game birds and not poultry. So many of the city ordinances or your HOA rules do not apply to quail. And that's a bonus because a lot of places folks cannot keep chickens in their backyard due to these zoning rules, city ordinances, or HOAs. So my husband and I, we joke all the time that had we known, we probably would have started with keeping quail. But the reality is it didn't even occur to us that it was an option back when we were planning for chickens with the intention of having fresh backyard eggs. So despite our experiences, we have learned a lot from having Daisy and Dixie on our homestead. They were just being chickens trying to live their best chicken life. And if we ever moved away from an urban setting into a much more rural or spacious area, and we didn't have neighbors close by, we probably would definitely consider having chickens again. So now that I've covered some of the pros of keeping quail, let's go ahead and move into more nitty gritty information that'll help you decide if indeed you wanna move towards getting quail for your homestead. One of the things that people do quite often ask about quail eggs is, do they taste like a chicken egg? And the answer to that is yes, but at the same time, slightly different. And that's because the yolk of quail eggs is creamier in both the taste and also the consistency. Now you would notice this if the quail egg is eaten as a hard boiled egg, or if it is cooked over hard, meaning when the yolk is completely cooked through. That's when you would notice the difference in the creaminess and the texture. You would not notice it if you ate the egg where the yolk was still runny, so maybe sunny side up, and also if you used it in baked goods. So for obvious reasons, you wouldn't even notice the difference. You just have eggs that you added to your baked goods. So many people do say that their baked goodies taste so much better because of the extra creaminess of the yolks. In terms of nutrition, there are many articles citing the nutritional value and its positive health benefits. Now we're not gonna go into detail regarding all of that nutritional data and those health claims, but I do encourage you to do some research so you could look into what's out there. Uh, based on our reading and our interpretation though, quail eggs are a good source of protein and vitamins, but just know that it does contain higher levels of cholesterol when compared to chicken eggs. 
On our homestead, we only keep quail for their eggs. However, many do raise quail for meat as well. Because quail mature in just a matter of weeks and are full grown, they are a great option to quickly fill your freezer with meat if that's what you choose to do. So folks do raise quail for both meat and eggs. Typically, the males are culled and then the females are then kept for eggs. And also, just a little tidbit in case you were unsure of how this works, you do not need to have a male in order to have eggs. The hens will produce the eggs with or without a male around. The only difference is whether the eggs are fertilized or not. In fact, for the longest time on our homestead, we only had hens. We only recently added one male, and that was because we wanted to have some fertilized eggs so we could start incubating our own eggs. But remember, no male needed, you can have just hens, and that will definitely also keep the noise level down if that's one of the things that you are keeping in consideration. Now, I did mention earlier when I was giving you the list of pros for keeping quail over chickens, and I did mention the idea that you probably wouldn't need a permit or get cited for having them in an urban zone. So please be sure to do some research regarding this topic based on where you live. Be thorough and know what's allowed and not allowed. You'll have to check city ordinances, zoning, if you're part of an HOA, review their rules. With that being said though, just based on the research that I've done and what I have found, it seems as though that quail are game birds, so they are not considered domesticated poultry like chickens and ducks. And so that's why they kind of fall outside of any rules or ordinances. It's kind of like just in general keeping birds. It's like having a parrot or an aviary for finches. There's also a lot of varieties of quail that people keep just as pets, like a button quail or a bobwhite quail. So most of the Instagram friends that I have who have backyard quail, they're all around the state of California. They're all around other states in the United States. And I haven't seen it as an issue where anyone has brought that up or even asked me a question about that. But do some research. I'm pretty sure though you're going to find that it would be okay for you to have quail. And again, this is why they are such a good option for an urban homestead situation for you to have fresh eggs. So now that you've done your research, it's okay to move on with the next step. Now you're going to think, what type of quail should you keep? Now there's a few varieties that are out there that can be raised for both their meat and eggs. The most common variety is called a Caternix quail, also known as a Japanese quail. This will be the easiest variety to find as they are much more common and they are bred by a lot of homesteaders and so you will find more options of purchasing Caternix quail. You might find a variety advertised as a jumbo Caternix quail and all that means is that that particular breed will grow just a little bit bigger. They'll get to about 16 ounces whereas just your standard quail is maybe 8 to 12 to 14 ounces. Now the traditional feather pattern on a Caternix quail or the Japanese quail where, the, where I'm talking about the ones that just generally lay kind of like the brownish creamy colored eggs. 
The feather pattern on those quail will help you sex them at a certain age. So basically at about three weeks, their feathers will start to show distinguishing features between the male and the female. So you can sex them that way. Females will have a light chest with spots on it. So it's kind of speckled. And then males will have a golden or more of a rust chest with no spots. So we're looking for no speckles and just a big chest of rust or kind of a reddish color. We bought our quail at three weeks old, at least the first batch that we got to start off here on the homestead. So they were three weeks old and we wanted them at that stage specifically so that we could sex them when we went to the breeders. We wanted to ensure that we would only have females. Another variety of quail that you'll probably be able to find is called the Texas A&M. They are also a type of Caternix that was developed and bred primarily for meat production as they do consistently grow to a bigger size of closer to maybe 12 ounces. Their feather patterns are different from the traditional Caternix quail and it's difficult to sex them using these visual cues of just their feathers. And so you're left with having to either vent sex you have to wait for them to crow, start mounting, or they lay an egg at maturity. So those are some ways to then distinguish between male and female when you can't tell using their feather patterns. Another popular variety, and you're going to see a lot of this with Instagram homesteaders, is a variety right now of Caternix quail called a Celadon quail. These quail lay beautiful light blue to teal to greenish eggs. And like the Texas A&M variety, it's very challenging to sex them using their feathers because they come in a variety of colors. You can have an all white quail. You can have a quail that is all like kind of a dark chocolate brown. You might have one that's more of like a mocha colored or one that has more of like a cinnamon a color where there's a little bit of reddish to it so you can't tell and again you're gonna have to go to either vent sexing waiting for them to crow you're visually seeing them mount or they're laying eggs so those are some varieties out there that you might want to look into and I would recommend either just your traditional Caternix quail slash Japanese quail, a Texas A&M, or as well if you can find a breeder that has a Celadon quail, those eggs are just absolutely stunning. So where can you get quail? So there's two ways of course you can start. You can start off with eggs and then hatch your own or you can buy them as chicks from a breeder. You can find a breeder online, you can connect with breeders through social media, you can check your local feed store if they know anybody, as well as checking Craigslist. Both eggs and chicks can be shipped to you, and I've had the experience of eggs being shipped to me. I've also had the experience of buying chicks from either a local breeder or just a breeder that either you go pick up or they're willing to drop off to you so we've done both here so assess your situation and go with what you think will work best and meet your needs based on your skill level 
The first time we bought chicks, we found a local breeder on Craigslist. And then the second time we purchased chicks, it was from an Instagram friend that then we connected up and we were able to do a handoff. And then the next time um, I dabbled with the idea of hatching eggs. And so incubating eggs is like a whole nother topic that can be covered in a future episode. But if you already have experience with incubating because you've done it with chickens or ducks or any with other poultry, then go ahead and, and start off with quail. Um, but if you are brand new to this, I would say just go and get some chicks first and experience them and learn everything you need to learn and then dive into the world of incubating like we did. So you've done your homework. You've checked to see if you can keep quail in the area that you live. You've done some research about the type of quail that you might want to keep and now you've looked for them and the next step really is, is their enclosure, their home. Where are you going to be keeping your quail? So they don't take up much space at all and when we talk about the recommendation of how many quail you should keep, it's going to be based on the square footage of their enclosure. So with the recommendation being one bird per three quarters to one square feet, I would always kind of lean towards giving them more room than less room. So here on our mini farm, we look at our square footage at one square feet per bird. And then that gives us a good idea of how many we can buy how many chicks we should keep and so on and I actually kind of go under that even a little bit because you want to consider the floor space of the enclosure will also include things like the water food containers you might add in a sandbox for them you might add in cubby spaces for hiding so all of that needs to be taken into account so remember if you could give them a little bit more space that's always going to be better they seem much happier when they have space to run around to get away from each other and they also need space and privacy now a quail enclosure can be set up where it is directly on the ground or you can have it set up where they're off the ground it really is a preference thing it's also a space thing depending on your homestead and you can use just about any type of housing as long as it meets a couple things. And mainly it's about will they be safe in that enclosure and will they be secure from potential predators? And then really think about is there proper ventilation and airflow? The other thing you'll wanna consider is the location of the enclosure. So where are you going to put this enclosure? Because you have to account for how much direct sunlight they'll be exposed to, which then affects the temperature range that they will encounter throughout a day and then throughout the different seasons. So the enclosure can be built to a particular space that you already have in mind, and so the design is around that space. Some people will use kits that they purchase and then assemble, and a lot of these kits are like a rabbit hutch or a chicken coop. They do sell quill units that are stackable. So they're divided into really small sections and so it's kind of meant to have like a few females with one male at like a 
three to one ratio or something like that so they do sell these quail units out there and they really look like a bunch of quail apartments like a high-rise version of that so that's out there as well so let me talk a little bit about the um, quail enclosure that we have here at the mini farm our mini farm and we started off with a space in mind and I also had done some research about what are some things to account for when you are setting up a quail enclosure. So if you are going to build your own, you have to make a decision first, like we talked about, is it gonna be on the floor, on the ground I mean, so that the quail are going to have direct contact with the ground, or is it going to be off the ground? So that's going to be your first choice. Now, if you are going to build it so that it is on the ground, now, now you have to decide how high you want it. I would recommend if you are going to go with keeping them on the ground that you have an enclosure that's tall enough for you to walk into. It will make it much easier for you to clean and collect eggs. The other thing too is you need the height because of the fact that quail will flush. And flush means that when they get nervous or they feel scared, they will fly straight up. And so you need to kind of give them enough room to reach maybe about five or six feet because if they flush, they can fly straight up about that high. If you make it lower, so let's say you decide that you are going to build it and it's only about three feet high, which is 36 inches, what's gonna happen is, is they will flush and they will have enough distance to kind of pick up almost like some speed and some power and they will end up injuring themselves because they're gonna bang their head into the top of the enclosure. So here's the other thing to think about then. So if you were to have one that you couldn't walk into, what would be the ideal height then of the top of that quail enclosure? So the recommendation is to have it between 18 and 22 inches. Anything above 22 inches, that's where you kind of run into the idea of them flushing and really hurting themselves. In this case, at 18 to 22 inches, they kind of will make a leap, but they kind of just get up and they don't have enough power or lift yet from their wings. And so they just kind of bounce back down and there isn't enough force to really injure themselves. So for our particular enclosures here, and we have two and we built them to look identical, is ours is off of the ground and it is a sloped roof that starts off at 22 inches at the front and then kind of slopes back to about 18 inches. And it's off the ground by 36 inches. And the beauty of this is the the enclosure is up high at my height and I'm short. But now for me, collecting eggs, cleaning, filling their food, filling their water, checking on their sandbox, checking on them, and just generally just viewing them, they are at like a height that is where I'm at. Like I just look straight in, I reach in to grab an egg. I never have to bend down really to deal with anything related to them other than maybe grabbing the bag of pine shavings or what have you in the little shelf area below their enclosure. So there are just different ways to go about setting up 
the enclosure. If you are to purchase something, I would recommend using a rabbit hutch. A rabbit hutch usually doesn't have that much height between the floor of the enclosure to the top. And so if you are not in a position to build your own, like I am where my husband is handy and I can kind of draw up some just sort of general designs and then he makes it happen. If I didn't have him, I would have to buy something that's prefab and then assemble it. And so um, in the episode show notes for this particular podcast, I will have a link for a rabbit hutch that I think would work really well in a small homestead where you're just getting started with just a few quail. So keep in mind, it's not a hutch that I have used, but looking at the specs, looking at the design, looking at the doors, what would be easiest for you to be able to reach your hand in for cleaning and access, this rabbit hutch would be a great alternative if you couldn't build your own and you're, this is like an entry level into uh, keeping quail on your homestead. So I just wanted to be clear. I do have a link for that, but it is not something that I currently use since we build our own. So if you do choose to have your quail directly on the ground, the things that you can have on the ground that they would then be walking through or living in could be wood chips. You can use fine bark mulch. You can use pine shavings or you can use sand. If you have your quail off the ground like we do, you have two options. You can build it so that the floor is made out of wire, and in this case, it would be hardware cloth, and I would recommend half inch hardware cloth. Or you can make it a solid bottom and then fill it with pine shavings. So why would you wanna have a wire floor? The intention behind having the wire floor is so that their droppings can just fall through whether straight to the ground or you have some type of container catching it and then you just dump that container in your compost bin or trash. We started off with our very first enclosure where part of the floor was wire and the other part was solid and then we had pine shavings. And one of the things that we found that was an issue is, is their droppings weren't necessarily falling through the wire some of it was just getting stuck on top of the wire and then they kept stepping in it and then it would dry and it get kind of crusty and then the other thing is is as they walked on the wire they could either get cuts or they would develop bumblefoot which is not a good thing for them because it's kind of hard for them to to heal and it hurts them to walk around especially on the wire and so when we then modified our original enclosure we removed the wire and made it a solid floor with all pine shavings we saw that we had zero foot injuries like the ones that we were seeing before with the wire so you can go both ways i've seen it done both ways I asked my husband to build it with the hardware cloth because I had seen that as an idea and I thought it would be great. Like, oh yeah, the poop just falls right through. Yes, in theory, right? But it doesn't always happen that way. You have the enclosures. You have figured out if you want it on the ground, off the ground, if you want wire, or if you just want a solid wood floor with pine shavings. You've determined all of that, right? Now, Once you determine how their enclosure will look, 
and where it will be and how it be set up, just know that that's where they should be spending the majority of their time because their enclosure is their home. Because quail are wild game birds and they have the ability to fly, they don't free range like chickens do. Now, you could set up a free range situation and I'll talk about that in just a moment, but because they can fly, you're gonna lose them. They're just gonna go bye-bye and you're never gonna see your quail again. They can easily fly over six foot fences. In fact, we've had a few quail that we've just lost on accident. They literally flew so high up over our roof, over our neighbor's roof, and it just they just literally disappeared. It was insane how far and high they could fly after really not flying ever. So it was really surprising. But anyway, so yes, they can fly, and this is why they don't free range. If you wanted them to free range, you can set up a situation where you kind of have a, um, I'd say like a mobile enclosure of some sort that you can set up and then move around and then just put them in that location and let them kind of run around and experience either the grass or maybe there's a raised bed that you just kind of dug up and you want them to kind of be able to dig through. That's okay, but you just have to cover it somehow like you just have to throw something over it so that they can't fly up and over so yes there are times when I do take um, my quail out and I put them in this enclosure on the grass area and they can kind of run around on that and partly it's while I'm cleaning their enclosure I'll take some of them out or all of them especially if I'm doing a deep clean but otherwise when I'm cleaning I leave them all in there and they just kind of move to one side of their enclosure while I work on one half. Then when I move to the other half, then they just shift on over. So one thing that is different between quail and chicken if you're setting up their enclosure is quail, because they are ground dwelling birds, do not roost. So you do not have to have any roosting bars in your enclosure. So just keep that in mind as you, if you're building something or setting something up, they do not need roosting bars like chicken. So another thing that just makes it a little bit easier, right? One less thing. So you might start off with one enclosure set up and realize after using it or having it for a couple weeks, a couple months, or even a year or two, and you feel the need to switch it up later, definitely do it. That's what we did. And that's why I gave you the example where we built our first enclosure with half wire bottom and then swapped it out later on just because it wasn't working for us. So definitely know that it's trial and error until we figure it out, right? But I'm giving you some of the recommendations of things that have worked for us. And in this case, the wire floor on half inch hardware cloth did not work. All right, so let's talk about now you've got the enclosure. How often are you cleaning? How much time are you spending um, taking care of your quail? It really doesn't take that much time to keep their enclosure clean and tidy. Now, it does depend on if you have them on the ground or if you have them off ground and depending on what type of flooring material you have selected. Now, if you have them directly on the ground, you can use a method called deep litter, which means that you only need to clean it every few months. With the deep litter method, you are actually adding a layer on top, whether it be pine shavings or mulch periodically, and as the bottom layers start to move down, they break down and then decompose. 
And the nice thing with the deep litter method is, is once it's decomposed, now you can turn that around. And if you're a gardener, you can use all of that in your garden. If you use sand as your medium for the on-ground uh, enclosure, then you can rake through it and sift through it like you would kitty litter. You can just add more sand. Um, again, this can be done every few weeks. It really just depends on how many birds you have. If the quail are off the ground and you're using pine shavings, you really could do your cleaning of everything in two to three week cycles. Um, again, you can just determine that based on how much um, poop you are seeing and how dirty it's getting. Two to three weeks seems to be um, good for me given the square footage and ratio that I have in there. So um, we simply just use a small dustpan, a hand broom, we scoop everything out and then we just refill everything with clean pine shavings and done. It takes me less than 15 minutes to clean two enclosures which is a total of 23 square feet. And then a couple times a year if needed, like I said, take all of the quail out, have a safe place for them to hang out and do a deep Deep clean of the enclosure where you're going to wash and wipe down all of all of the walls and just make sure it's nice and clean so you can do that on occasion but cleaning super quick and easy all right so we've gone through a lot so far you have checked if you are allowed to have quail in your area you've decided the type of quail you've wanted you have now found a breeder and now you've also set up their housing you know about cleaning now you have to feed them right so they need food and water water's easy it's just water but what type of food are you going to feed your quail what do you need to keep them happy and healthy so the basics of course is is that with quality food you are going to be looking at the label that has the nutritional breakdown for quail you are going to want to feed them a product called either game bird or turkey starter crumble so i'm going to say that again it's either a game bird or turkey starter crumble because there's really no product out there that I have found where I just go into the feed store and say hey I want a bag of quail food it doesn't exist right so guess what remember I told you they are a game bird so it's a game bird slash turkey starter crumble now the key thing that you are looking for on the nutrition label is the protein analysis quail will need a feed that has between 28 and 30 percent protein this is higher than chicken feed, both the starter and the layer feed, so be sure to check the label. This crumble can be used throughout their life, which means there's no need to switch from some type of starter feed for the chicks and then switch to a layer feed when they get older like you do with chickens. Nope, same food, same bag from the time they are day old to the time that they have expired. Same bag of food. So your local feed store should be able to either carry it, they should stock it on hand, but more times than not because it's not something that people normally buy. A lot of people don't have turkeys around. A lot of people don't keep game birds. It is something that they can special order for you though. So like my local feed store that I go to, I call them in advance. I ask for the 50 pound bag. They always get their deliveries on a Wednesday, but because I have learned they don't keep it on, on hand, I just always have to call in ahead of time. 
The cost of their feed is uh, around here, a 50 pound bag of their feed costs around $22. And so for the longest time we had eight quail and a 50 pound bag would last us four to five months. So we spent about five, 550 per month on feed. So in addition to um, turkey starter crumble though, there are some other things that you can supplement their diet with. And so I kind of call them quail treats because really they can live on just that crumble, that feed. So quail treats could look like um, a lot like chicken treats. It can be mealworms, whether fresh or freeze-dried. It can be black soldier fly larvae, which is either fresh again or freeze-dried. I know that sounds really gross, right? Black soldier fly larvae. But anyways, it's like chicken and quail crack. They go crazy for it. The other thing that make great quail treats are bugs from your garden, like caterpillars, pill bugs, or I call them roly-polies. Maybe you're digging up grubs or other insects. Throw it in the quail enclosure. They will gobble it up and it's extra protein for them. They can also eat fresh fruit, herbs, and veggies. And so if you have extras or scraps, if you give it to them, they definitely love it and they'll peck at it. In fact, one of the things that I really like giving them is when I find certain things in my garden that is just infested with aphids, I just break off that part of the plant and I just go and put it in the quilt enclosure and they pick off all the aphids and have fun with that. And then if they want to also pick out whatever, whether it's kale or collard greens or whatever, it's there. And so you can definitely give them some treats and it does supplement the crumble. So now that you know what food you should be buying, you know, of course, they should always have fresh water available. What kind of a food and water containers should you use? Well, a lot of it is going to be pretty basic stuff. You need something that can hold the crumble and you need something that can hold water. A lot of times you can easily use products that are already made for chicks or chickens, um, and use it with your quail. However, there are a couple things that are made specifically just for quail. Since quail are smaller than most chickens, um, then the feeders and waters kind of also need to be scaled down as well. You can make your own feeder or water using things you might already have on hand and just basically recycle and repurpose some items. Like for example, I use a one gallon plastic water bottle to hold their food. I just cut some holes in it at about kind of like the height of their beak and um, they just stick their head inside to reach the food and um, this works with a lot of different plastic containers and the reason why you cut a hole is this so that it actually helps with saving the food. If you ever watch a chicken or quail eat, they tend to move their head from right to left and they flick the food around. And so it's very wasteful the way that they eat. And so you try to um, catch all of that by basically just letting them stick their head into a hole. And then as they flick the food around, it just stays in the container. So that's one way to hold the crumble and spend basically zero dollars, right? Um, you can also put it in open tray and pan, but again, they can walk through it, poop in their food, flick their head around, and just waste it. 
So lots of different DIY ideas out there for food containers for both quail and chickens. And so if you were to look online for different types of feeders as well, I'm sure you would find lots of options out there. But I'm going to say for me, I just try to repurpose different containers that I have. And it's worked all of these years. I have never bought a specific feed container for my quails. It's literally recycled, repurposed things. Now, clean water is key, and I do want to recommend different waters in this scenario. What you don't want is is for them to be able to get their water super dirty by walking through it, having fecal matter in there, getting pine shavings in it, flicking food, and so on. So the water should stay clean, and there are a lot of different waters that will allow you to do that. I will put in the show notes a couple products, uh, some links for products that we use here that I really, really highly recommend as waters for them. Um, The water will stay clean. Uh, One of the containers that we use, it's a flip top for filling, so it's super easy. And the water does last a long time as well because it's a good size. Um, But really at the end of the day, it's about them having clean water. And so a lot of these containers that you're going to see now, it will have either what's called a nipple or a watering cup. So the nipple, they peck at it and then the water comes out. The watering cup just holds a small amount of water and it's just a small cup as well. Um, so they're not getting it super, super dirty. So anyways, like I said, you um, if you check out the episode show notes, I will have links for the waters for sure. So let's talk about really one of the key things as to why you are getting quail for your homestead or considering it. It's either you want eggs or you want the meat or both. So let's talk about egg laying because you kind of need to know how this works. Egg production for quail work just the same way as it does for chickens and probably every other poultry. It's based on the hours of sunlight each day. So during the long summer days, they will produce more eggs than they would during the fall and winter when there's less hours of sunlight. So as the days grow shorter, their body responds by slowing down production. And during those short cold days of the winter, they may produce one egg a week, if any at all. And sometimes they'll just stop producing eggs for quite some time. They will also stop producing eggs when they molt. And so they're losing feathers And then they have to spend the energy to regrow their feathers. And so if that's the case, they are not going to be laying any eggs. They also will stop their egg production if they are injured, not feeling well, or they are stressed out. So if maybe they have moved from one location to another, meaning like um, you just bought some quail off of somebody and that change in location It's going to stress them out. So they're not going to lay right away. They'll lay once they're ready, once their body is feeling like it has everything it needs to to produce eggs again. And again, it also depends on the time of year. During the summer, though, they rock. Like it's daily. Some days, I think that they were even laying up to two eggs a day. Because at one point, we only had seven quail. And we were collecting eggs daily. And I literally was going out and finding 14 eggs day after day after day. At some point, I want to say it was like probably like July. So 
they are really, really productive. And so that's the really cool thing about having them is the sexual maturity happening so quickly and then you get eggs so quickly as well. And at the same time, they're super, super productive. All right, so besides all the things that we've talked about already, what are some additional items or accessories that you might want to consider providing for them to give them the optimal living environment for them to be happy and healthy? And my number one thing that I would recommend is is that you provide them with a sandbox of some sort, whether you fill it with dirt or sand or dust, it doesn't matter. They love to have their dust bath. And it's really fun to watch them. They wiggle around, they poke their head. In fact, my quail, they get so excited every time I put in new and clean sand. You can hear them honk with happiness. In fact, they get so excited about it. They get a little territorial and almost like bully-like and they'll chase the other ones away just because they want the whole sandbox to themselves. So I definitely would recommend that you provide them with some type of um, tray or a box to allow them to dust bathe, again, using sand or dirt or whatever you have on hand. We happen to use sand that we buy from the hardware store. It's all-purpose sand, and it's a 50-pound bag, and I think it's like somewhere between 4 and $5, and it lasts a while. So after a while, of course, you're going to have to replace the sand, but... It, it's a must-have like they they definitely like having it and the other thing is is while they are playing around in the sand and doing their dust bath it also helps prevent um, the, those external parasites that can be on their skin and feathers so it's um, it serves a purpose now the other thing again that I would highly encourage you to think about when you're setting up their enclosure is they are very skittish creatures and they need to feel safe and they need to have a place to run for cover if they're scared and if they don't have those places remember what i mentioned about flushing they will get scared and they will try to fly and fly means straight up but if they have little areas that they are used to hiding in they can run there and just hide out and then they kind of peek out and kind of think like is it safe can I come out so they are super super skittish different hideouts that you can create for them could be little small cubby spaces made out of like wood crates it could be small boxes it can be branches that you've kind of stacked creatively that gives them space to run in and around and under the branches and sticks you can add foliage, uh, whether it's real or maybe you're using artificial. And you can add things like a twig tunnel. And so all of these things will help support a happy environment for them. And when they're happy, they're more likely to lay eggs. Interestingly, is they like to lay their eggs where they feel safe. And so quite often when I am looking for eggs, it's usually in their little hideout areas. It's usually uh, in in the uh, twig tunnel or it's in a cubby or it's behind the uh, artificial plant that I've put in their enclosure. So these are just some things that I definitely want you to kind of think about in creating a happy environment for them. If you, again, go to the show notes 
for this episode, I will have links for some of these items. Specifically, there's a small little wood house as well as a twig tunnel. I use both of those here on our homestead and um, they love it. It's just great and they're both very durable, so they'll last. So if you have any questions or you want more information about um, anything related to quail, I definitely want to be um, of assistance to you. So first of all, if you want more information about some of the products that I mentioned in today's episode, head on over to tlcminifarm.com. Check out the show notes for this episode. You'll find links to some of the items that I talked about as well as I am recommending for quail keeping. You can also learn more about quail on our mini farm via our Instagram account where I regularly post information about quail keeping. You will see the enclosures that we have built. You can see the waters that we use and then different ideas for repurposing items such as the food containers that I talked about. We even have a quail cam so we can observe our quail and then I will um, share those quite frequently on my Instagram stories just so people can kind of see their little antics. So thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. I know it was a little bit longer than normal but this is comprehensive information that it would be multiple tutorials if you were to look on YouTube or multiple articles to read to get all of this information and so hopefully I gave it to you via this audio format in a way that just makes sense if you are thinking about bringing quail onto your homestead. So if you haven't done so already please 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 um, subscribe or follow this podcast. Uh, We really appreciate the support And as I mentioned earlier, you can follow us on Instagram at TLC Mini Farm. Message us if you have any questions about raising quail. I would love to be able to answer them and help you on with this journey. So until next time, happy homesteading, everyone.